0: Hey, this is Len Casper, the TV voice of the Chicago Cubs. You're listening to the Friendly Confines podcast with Chad and Ryan. Rhino, big week in Cubs history. Uh, I've been watching a little bit of The Crown on Netflix, so... The king is dead, long live the king, Theo Epstein, the reign Well, Chad, as they say, it's
1: better to be of love than not loved at all. And I think we can look back on Theo's nine years and obviously have great memories, don't
0: you think? Absolutely. And you know what? What our listeners are probably going to expect from this episode is what they're going to get, which is a lot of Theo. We're going to get our reactions. We're going to talk about what now. We're going to talk about what now for Theo. We're going to talk about his legacy and where he ranks in Chicago sports history. And we're also
1: going to talk to David Haw of The Score, Sports Radio 670. He's going to join us to talk about Theo as well. So stick around because the Friendly Confines starts right now. Hi, everybody. I'm Ryan Lieber. He's Chad Gordon. Chad, as always, let's start in the first inning. And of course, the biggest news of the year, probably, when it comes to the Chicago Cubs. Theo Epstein leaving and stepping down from the team on November 20th, deciding that he will not finish his contract and finish with his nine-year tenure leaving the Chicago Cubs after what was an absolutely amazing run as the team president. So the first question is just initial reaction to when you heard Theo was officially leaving in his role with the Cubs.
0: You know, about as shocked as I was when I heard that Theo was joining the Cubs, this was, this was a bit of a stomach punch and, you know the Cubs fans out there. It it just it was all over Twitter. It was all over my text stream. Uh, I, I, this took me by surprise. I really, truly, he was gonna uh, thought that that Theo was gonna see it through. I thought he was gonna get through the ten years and and see through what he he created uh, with the the core four, core five coming up into contract years and and trying to do something to build on for the future. I get his reasoning that he feels like everything that happens going forward is a long term decision, but but Ryan, everything that happens every year should be viewed as a long-term decision. So I don't know what he's looking at on the horizon that may have made him his decision. But it, it's a very bitter mouth that he didn't see this through and finish what he started and, and, and walked out on the team during a, a very pitiful time in their history.
1: It's interesting you say that. I was surprised but I wasn't shocked Um, My initial reaction to it was, this was kind of a lame duck season. There really wasn't much he was going to be able to do because of COVID, because of the restraints that this team had. And if you were able to see the news conference or read his letter, you got a sense that he felt like the long-term decisions of this franchise were not going to ultimately be in his hands. And I think he felt like if he was going to turn the reins over to Jed, which he ultimately did, then Jed should be the one to make those decisions long-term, whatever they may be. And Theo kind of felt like, look, I've done everything I can possibly do. This season isn't really going to change one way or another. Maybe it's best I leave on the terms that I do A lot of people got laid off from the Cubs organization because of COVID. He did kind of allude to the fact that that $10 million salary, you know, could potentially go toward something else within the organization. So I don't feel ultimately like this was, I don't want to say a slap in the face, but I don't feel upset that he decided to leave now as opposed to next year. Because as far as I'm concerned, Chad, He was handcuffed, and I don't feel like he was really going to be able to make any impact
0: one way or another going into 2021 anyway. Good stuff. Let's move on to the second inning. And you touched on some of these topics uh, in the first inning, Ryan, but, you know, it it begs begs the question, is this actually the best move now? Yeah, I
1: kind of do. And as I kind of alluded to in the first inning, you know, like I said, I feel like that this team – unfortunately, is not going to make any major moves to improve the ball club. Uh, If anything, they might make major changes to rebuild, and we can get into that later. But I do feel like this was the right time. I think Theo Epstein gave everything that he could to this franchise. I feel like that he really obviously built, was the architect, and created what we now have in that 2016 World Championship. And I think he felt like it was time you know, to turn over the keys, so to speak, to Jed Hoyer, allow him to get that first year in on his own. He basically is running the team as is. And so for me, I didn't have a problem with this and the timing of it, knowing that we were kind of in a lame duck
0: season as it was with Theo. What about you? Well, I think, you know, handcuffs is what you had said earlier. And I do think that because of COVID, um, not necessarily because of any financial limitations that the Cubs specifically had. I think because of the issues around COVID and the revenue uncertainty, the revenue hit that they took this last season. You know, it's it is kind of a you know uh, it, he is handcuffed in, going into this this off and into this free agent signing period and going into his final year. So I don't know. I look back to, to to when he he left the Red Sox for that four or five month period back in the middle aughts, I think oh four oh five uh and and you know maybe Theo's heart just wasn't in it to see this through I do appreciate setting up his friend Jed but I mean come on now I don't really need my president of baseball operations setting up his buddies I I want a winner and he signed a 10-year contract so if it's the best move for him now because his heart wasn't in it fine and I think that's 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 great I he had some kind words to leave it sounds like I'm salty I'm really not I I just I really was surprised by this move I thought with all of the issues that uh i mean that we're talking about you know the greatest general manager in baseball history right we're talking about a guy historically that has done things in two different markets that's never been done before why wouldn't you want to tackle with your immense talents and your experience and where you are why wouldn't you want to tackle this challenge of what covid has brought and the revenue situation and trying to extend this window for the Cubs so that they're competitive going forward into the 20s and they don't have to do a tear, tear down. So I'm perplexed by that. I'm perplexed by why he threw in the towel on this final year. I really wanted to see something different for him. So it, it's the right move because he wanted to make this move. All right,
1: third inning now. So what is next for Theo Epstein, Chad? There's been a lot of talk about where he could be in the next several years. Um, But where do you ultimately think Theo will
0: land first immediately and then in the future? It, you know, does he want to move to Nashville? Cause you know, that could be the, the best opportunity to, to join up with that ownership group. If they would give him a stake and he would run the team potentially, if they are able to get a team, which looks like it could be a likely scenario if an expansion team comes there. You know, I love the stories of the past. Like what would be next for the guy that turned everything around? You know, he was able to, to break the drought uh, for the Red Sox, break the drought for the Cubs combined. I mean, nearly two centuries between them, between uh, uh, titles, you know, people have talked about does he take on the Cleveland Browns, you know, and, and I don't think I don't think that's likely because that is a completely different skill set. I've always said, you know, this is a guy, depending on where he wanted to live, he says Chicago is going to be his home. But this is a guy that I think has such great name recognition that if he wanted to get into politics, but he has he said in the past that he's always been interested in the policy part of the politics, but not interested in. In policy, so I don't. I think he's going to take a little bit of a breather. I think he'd be foolish if he didn't, at this age, figure out a way to get into an ownership group because that ultimately um, is long-term longevity, and that's uh, that's a legacy builder that he hasn't had a chance to do. I, I
1: love that take about Nashville, and I I do. Think that is a viable option whether it's nashville or another expansion team that maybe one day he could be a part of that ownership group um he did say that he's not going anywhere at least this year he says he's going to get season tickets and go to games and his wife has a you know a business in chicago and his kids go to school in chicago so he's going to at least stay there for the foreseeable future but what will happen next? He did ultimately say that there is going to be a third chapter and he is going to lead a baseball team and he does want to get involved in ownership. I think the odds on favor, it's just kind of in the next year or two, Chad. You know, all signs point to either the Phillies or the Mets. Um, and I think the Mets make a lot of sense. And, you know, I think the Mets, with now a new owner and Stephen Cohen, who is. Uh, someone who has very deep pockets, the most wealthy owner in all of baseball, he could potentially put Theo in charge and in the biggest market, maybe have the opportunity to overtake the Yankees on the front page and and lead the Mets to a championship to a place they haven't been to in over 30 years. So, you know, that's an option and, and maybe there's an opportunity where he can buy into the Mets for like 1% or 2%. The Mets, to me, make a lot of sense or... The expansion team makes a lot of sense, but I almost feel like the Mets would be first and then I could see eventually him leading or heading up an expansion effort to uh, buy in and, and be an owner as well. But yeah, sky's the limit for him. I've even seen the commissioner uh, opportunity pop up and he didn't like write out, just deny or ever say he didn't want to be commissioner when he was interviewed on the score earlier this week, Chad, he, he kind of gave a non-answer and he basically just said he loves baseball and he wants to do anything he can to grow the game. So I, I kind of took that as he would be open to that if that were ever, brought to him and again you know these are all things that i think he could do very well but you know i don't think at this moment he even knows ultimately where he will end up yeah
0: 46 years old i mean we've got a guy that's pushing 80 just took over the managerial job for the white Sox. he's got a lot of meat left on that bone uh, uh, theo does so i'm sure we're going to hear about him and see him for years to come let's move on to the sixth inning and it begs the question now to really think it through you it's time to look at his legacy You know, Ryan, should Theo have won more in his time on the north side?
1: Yeah, this is a good one for the fourth inning, of course. And, you know, a lot of people, Chad, always sit there and say, you know, should the Cubs have won more championships? They got the one in 2016. Everyone kind of thought they were set up to win more titles. Listen, you and I have talked at length about this, the fact that I was just happy to see them win the pennant. And, And then to see them win a championship, I was absolutely, you know, of course, my my dream of seeing the Cubs win a World Series came true, much like millions of fans around the country. Yes, of course, it would have been nice to have won multiple championships. But am I going to sit here and just tear down the, the, the era and what job Theo did because they only were able to take home one? And man, they were hard for that one. This was the golden era of Cubs baseball. You say that all the time, and it's absolutely true. Um, Those people that I think wanted more than one or feel like they didn't get as many as they should have, in my opinion, those are people that I don't think experienced Cubs baseball as much as you and I have growing up and seeing all the losses piling up during our childhood. So as far as I'm concerned, yes, it would have been great to see more than one, of course. But at the end of the day, I'm more than happy with what this era produced. And I will always cherish it. And I will always hold on to it. If this is the last World Series I get to see, or if we get to see another one in 20, 30 years, regardless, this was a huge
0: success. What about you? You know, he his, he did not quite what the Braves were able to do in the nineties, which was for 10 years, at least the Braves produced a consistent winner and won one world series. And so uh, Theo did that. And yes, the weight of the 108 years is massive. And that, 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 it uh, like weights weighs on like his success because that was something that had to be done. He did create in his nine years, five, winners five really strong years uh if you measure it by division titles and winning records and you know one of the most the the winningest stretch of baseball cubs uh baseball has has ever seen and so you know how do you rank his 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 uh his legacy here i mean he's he's done something that no one was able to do for more than a century um and he uh he did something which was put also put together a team that um that had a strong core to compete year in year out what what was missing was um, that that next title, what was missing was a dominant team that you look at each year. I mean, we've been looking at the Dodgers, going goodness, they're scary, and they finally got it done this year. But the Cubs team has not been a goodness, they're scary team in a few years, despite the fact that they have a strong core of of people that we thought were all going to be surefire first ballot ballot. You know, when when we saw them come onto the scene in 2015, um, a heck of a legacy. Um, he is going to be a part of Cubs history and Cubs lore for for <laughs> forever. Um, so you can't discount that. But, yeah, I'd kind of put a, uh, put them in the same category as what the Braves were able to do in the 1990s.
1: So I, just real quick, you say about the Braves, and I understand that with the one title. But the pushback I will give is the Braves did make the World Series five times. Yeah. And the Cubs only made one. And so I guess you kind of weigh it and say, well, if the Cubs had made multiple World Series and lost, uh, would you have been okay with that? Or would you rather just have them make that one and they won it? You know, I know that sounds strange, but there's almost something more magical about the fact that the Cubs went there that one time mm. and they got it as opposed to they had gotten there multiple times and they didn't get it and they lost multiple times. I, I almost wonder, even though yes, winning penance is great. And that makes a lot of sense. And that's what you want. Um, I, I kind of feel like, you know what? No one can take away, the fact that in this era they were 1-0 and in the World yeah. Series
0: and they don't let, have any blemishes. Let, let me throw one thing on there, Ryan, because you raised some really, really good points. And I'll, I'll just share that this is a guy that had that great success. Um, he, he hasn't over the last couple of years as the leader, as the top guy, fixed the offense. He hasn't since 16 been able to find a leadoff guy. Um, so there are holes in sustained success. And he didn't win multiple in a row for the uh, the Red Sox, but he did win multiple, um, you know, not discounting what he did. He took something that was very broken and has created a sustained winner. The key is what is he left in his wake? What are we going to see over the next decade? Because his fingerprints are all over it, um, and especially with the guys he brought on board. So it really, the legacy, I think, is to be continued. All right, so let's move on to the fifth inning now, Chad. And as we were talking about
1: earlier in the innings, Jed Hoyer now gets the keys to the car. He is officially the new team president of the Chicago Cubs. Of course, Jed, a big baseball mind, of course, has you know been the GM for the Cubs since the day that Theo arrived. And you know, no one really ever really kind of knows where it starts and where it ends when it comes to Theo and Jed. So is this going to be a continuation, Jed, of what we've already seen in your opinion, or are we going in a completely different direction with Jed Hoyer as the new GM? What do you think?
0: Well, I mean, well not the not just the new GM but as obviously the new vice president the, the president of operations because he's been the GM and 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 so it, it is interesting it's so interesting if you went to just a, a, a just a just most Cubs fan I think the majority of Cubs fan and said what does Theo do and what does Jed do I think most people would throw their arms in the air and say not not sure and I think you hit on something um really well Theo has never been the guy the only guy in the room so Jed has always been to, to use Hamilton quote Jed's always been in the room where it happens you know he's always been been, um, in those discussions, you know, when Theo did step down in Boston, he was, he was, uh, you know, he came in and actually took over as co-general manager. Um, you know, I think he, they call it the gang of four. So there's always been this group where they've worked together, they know the analytics, they know how um and and why baseball works now with with all of the the, the new science around that. We haven't seen that. We don't know really specifically. If you look at all the different moves, these are Theo moves, and we don't know what Jed is that Jed is actually brought to the table. So, you know, he's the right guy because he's been groomed to be the right guy. The question is, how will we see that present itself? Um, I'm looking to see something here very shortly in in the in the off season. You know, we had the big off season last year with uh, Ross coming on board that dominated everything. Now it's Jed coming on board. You know, my excitement about that is. I'd be very surprised if Jed Hoyer came on board and sat on his hands. I feel like he has to make some sort of splash. Otherwise, it's just going to be him holding on to the scraps of what Theo did.
1: Yeah, I kind of tend to agree, though, that this is not going to be easy for Jed. It's almost like Theo kind of left knowing that at the end of the day, now this is where the work starts. Because, again, I I go back to the fact that the Cubs aren't going to be adding – big names they're not going to be adding payroll if anything and we're going to get into this later you know we could potentially see a teardown of this team so Jed's got his work cut out for him and it's hard to know what it will look like because we're still in this kind of uncertain gray area when it comes to this franchise with a lot of players who are up for new deals or up for contracts or whatever the case may be possible trade bait and I think that Jed and Tom Ricketts have a lot to go over to kind of figure out what direction this team is going to go in. And until we know what that direction is, I don't think we can make any sort of judgments or any sort of, you know, educated guesses to figure out how this team is going to be structured under Jed because of what the Ricketts are going to give him um, from a a financial standpoint so a lot of unanswered questions as, as far as i have right now i have no doubt jed hoyer is a great baseball mind but i think that when it's all said and done it's only going to depend on how much of a resource the rickets are going to be
0: when it comes to funneling money into this absolutely game. well let's move on to the sixth name. we talked about should theo have one more talk kind of about that little little uh bit of legacy on what he's done but let's actually put him in the bigger picture ryan where do you rank theo where does he rank in the greatest gms and presidents in chicago sports history
1: so here are the names chad i'm gonna line these up and i'm gonna put them in order and i'm then gonna pitch it to you and see what your thoughts are so i'm gonna put it for each team the bears i have jim Finks; the bulls jerry Krause; the white Sox, kenny williams the uh blackhawks stan bowman and the Cubs is Theo Epstein. So I think I have everybody in that. And so I'm going to go one. I'm going to go with Theo, number one, just because I think it's safe to say, and maybe, you know, I'm slightly biased, but I, I think it's safe to say that this rebuilding job of the Cubs is something that no person has been able to do as far as building a championship team in 108 years. In the modern era, there's not been a single person I mean, we have had lots of people that have assumed that general manager role. And, and in the time that I've been alive, you know, Chad, I mean, it starts for us at least with guys like Dallas Green and Jim Fry and Andy McPhail and, you know, just insert name here of people that, you know, Jim Hendry of guys who have attempted to create a winning culture with this franchise and have not been able to do it. And Theo did. So I'm putting him number one. Number two, I'm going to do Jim Finks of the Bears because of what he built with that 85 team and unfortunately didn't get to see the fruits of his labor when it was all said and done. But man, did he draft, I mean, just incredible players who are, you know, multiple now in the Hall of Fame. Um, Three, I'm going to go with Jerry Krause. I know that that could be a little controversial. Because, of course, it all starts and ends with Michael Jordan. But Jerry Krause, of course, you know, traded for Scottie Pippen, he drafted Horace Grant, traded for Dennis Rodman, he drafted Tony Kukoc. I mean, these are moves that Michael Jordan ultimately needed to win his six titles. Four, I'm going to do Stan Bowman. I, I can't sit here and say I am a hockey expert, um, but winning three championships um, during his tenure, I think considering the Blackhawks hadn't won a Stanley Cup title, in, in a very long time. I mean, they hadn't been to the Cup since 1992 prior to them winning that Cup. And then before that, it was like the early 70s. So I'm going to give him four and then Kenny Williams at five. And, and I also want to know, you know, say rather that just because I have these guys in order one through five, that doesn't dismiss what they have done for their individual franchises but that's my ranking what about you you
0: know it's crazy i uh, we've got a really different list and and i have i've got a guy on my list actually at the top that isn't even on your list i've got i've got uh, papa i've got papa bear i've got george hallis i mean he was the owner player coach general manager hell he was the traveling secretary from 1920 to 83 basically so he had a long you know a, a longevity In him as the leader and owner, it was different times, of course, but we're talking from 1920 to 1983. We were both alive during his tenure, and he brought eight NFL championships. Now, granted, it was all pre-Super Bowl, but before the Super Bowl, the championship was the Super Bowl. So that's eight NFL championships. He's leading my list. I've got Jerry Krause, number two, the six championships in the 90s. Um, That probably will never be never be uh undone and then i've got stan bowman with the the three championships of the teens of this decade that is that is passed or getting ready to be passed and then i've got i've got in fourth place i i've got tied for fourth kenny and and theo uh, you know ken williams has been there i think you know in a gm and a in a in a and then a president role i don't know what his official role is now i'm not a white Sox fan but i know he leads the baseball organization i think for like you know since 2000 um and he's won a a, he's won a world series and he's made a a few playoffs three or four in that time and you know theo had in nine years he had a super uh, he had a world series rather and he had six really good years and so theo didn't have the luxury of 10 more years in this role to see if he'd have sustained success or if he would have done what Kenny Williams did, which struggled off and on during the the two decades. And so I actually have Theo in fourth place, tied with Ken. Chad,
1: the 2020 baseball season is over. And of course, now we just have to wait till February.
0: Less than 100 days away until spring training begins, we hope. But, you know, not that I'm counting.
1: Well, as we wait for the upcoming season, now is a perfect time to enjoy some Federalist wine. It's an American wine crafted for the only tasting note that matters and that's damn good taste.
0: It's a bold choice with baseball or any sport, you compare it with any food you desire and if you go to uncork.com right now, that's uncork.com and use the code CUBS20, you get 20% off your total purchase.
1: That's absolutely right. Chad drinks it, I drink it, so you should of course drink it too. This is Federalist wine. This is an American craft wine. So as Chad said, go to uncork.com, use the promo code cubs20 and get 20% off your purchase. Must be 21 years or older to consume alcohol. Please drink responsibly. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the friendly confines, and of course, the big news of the week, as we all know, is Theo Epstein stepping down as team president from the Chicago Cubs, and kind enough to join us for a few minutes as our guest this week. He's the co-host of Molly and Haw on the Score Sports Radio six seventy. You can hear him from five to nine a.m., and of course, you can find him on Twitter at David Haw. It is the one and only David Haw. David. Welcome to the Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan, and thanks so much for joining us here on the seventh inning stretch.
2: Thanks for asking. It's been quite a week here in Chicago. It's been quite a stretch with all the changes to uh, professional sports. Six weeks, but I think this week with Theo Webstein walking away, uh, not sure there's been anything as significant as that that's happened. And, and uh, I think people are still just sort of adjusting to that new reality We kind of knew this was going to happen. There was a sense of inevitability. And yet when it does, it's still somewhat jarring.
1: Well, so you touched on that. And so I guess let me just kind of go into my first question with that. Is it just initial reaction when you heard that this came down the pipeline, that Theo was going to step down in his role with the Chicago Cubs?
2: Element of surprise. You know, I think that you knew, again, how he had envisioned walking away the The decade rule was always in play with Theo. He warned us of that from day one. The Bill Walsh sort of credo of of never spend more than a decade on the job if you're a sports executive. And yet when the news broke, uh, I think that there was this sense of uh, almost sadness. You know, you you respect everything about a guy who has done it the right way. uh, And certainly we will miss him in, in the sports media in Chicago because nobody did it better. Uh, you know, he he could speak with an edge. He could speak with eloquence. He explained his failures as thoroughly as he did his successes. Uh, he had a rare sense of transparency that he respected and he respected the jobs that we had to do. And I think more than that, he related to Cubs fans and he respected their right to know or their, their curiosity over the way that he did his job and he explained everything. So, the The prevailing feeling was one of sadness, almost, because, you know, there are there there are guys that you cover and, and people you encounter, on the job and in this business that, um, you know, strike you in a different way. And Theo Epstein has been one of those guys since showing up in 2011. I had a very good working relationship with him, uh, and, and always appreciated the way that he, uh, the way that he went out of his way. He seemed to have time for everybody. Guys, and, and you know, he, he was one of these guys that um, understood the value in getting his message across and, frankly, knew how to deliver it and in a way that few people have in, uh, before or, and I'm sure after him. So, yeah, definitely Theo Epstein is going to leave a void, not only in, in baseball, but I think in Chicago sports overall.
1: I was surprised, David. It certainly was, but at the same time, not shocked, if that makes any sense. Maybe just mm-hmm. because we knew he wasn't going to be around after this season. Do you think it was just one of these situations where we knew this was a lame duck season almost for him and he figured maybe it's just best now for me to exit as opposed to kind of just waiting for the inevitable? How do you kind of see that?
2: I think he's always very good and executives have this sense of, you know, I think Bill Belichick in the NFL says it's better to get rid of somebody a year early rather than a, a year late. And, and I think Theo has the same sort of sixth sense of knowing uh, when to when to get out. And I think he saw what's coming with the Cubs, and, and, and I think there's a, a practical element here as well. He knew that there was going to be a struggle perhaps, but I think more than that, he knew that for the Cubs to pivot, and go in the direction that's necessary for this franchise to go, it was going to require some long-term planning. And for that long-term planning could be a painful process for fans to endure. And also could be a real transformational time in, in the history of the Cubs. And the best person to do that is somebody who's going to be here to see it through. And, and that's why I respect what he did. You know, this was, there's some, you know, and not to be overly naive here or a baseball romantic, but there's some nobility in what he did and walking away from the ten million dollar salary for the good of the of the organization, for the good of the sport. Um, he he wants the Cubs to succeed and knows that Jed Hoyer making the decisions, which will be tough ones, whether to trade Chris Bryant, whether to trade Wilson Contreras, whether to move on from Kyle Schwarber. These kind of things are best decided by somebody who's going to be there, and he just wasn't going to be. So I think that's one element of it. The other element of it is that, you know, let's face it, we're in the midst of a pandemic. The Ricketts family uh, likely will pair payroll, and maybe Theo's appetite for being uh, the, the, the one, the executive that presides over that process wasn't very big. He mentioned in his parting press conference he's much better at building than he is maintaining. And I think that speaks to his self-awareness. And my sense was that uh, uh, in addition to everything we just talked about and, and, and everything it just said, as valid as it is, he didn't really want to maintain this. He didn't want to take this on again. He already he rebuilt the Cubs once. He did not want to repeat history, if you will. And I think that, as much as anything, kind of compelled him to say, now is the right time to walk away on his terms, While he still has a very good relationship with the Ricketts family, with Cubs fans, and he's always going to have a very
1: unique place in Cubs history. So that seems well perfectly to transition to my next question, David, which I know you guys have talked about on the air the last couple of days is, what's next where does theo go from here and of course there's so much speculation that and he you know he discussed it in the press conference and even in the letter that was obtained by media outlets in chicago about what he was planning on doing and he does plan on getting back into baseball at some point he does want to be of an ownership group as well it's just a matter of where some people have even thought he'd make a great commissioner one day that you know has been thrown out there as well whether you know how much that could potentially happen or not is yet to be determined what do you ultimately think he says he's staying in chicago at least for the foreseeable future what do you think ultimately becomes a theo epstein and where he ends up when this is all said and done
2: short term i really believe he's going to stay here and be involved in some things as such as his non-profit organizations, some causes that, he, that are special to him. You know, he, he has definitely a, a strong social conscience that I think he'll listen to a little bit more closely, maybe over the next year or so, and and probably decompress a little bit in, in trying to re, recharge. Uh, he says he's not burned out, and I believe him. I just think he feels like he has different interests he'd like to, um, you know, pursue, and, and some of those may be part of uh, baseball as well, you know, in terms of these Big picture committees and advisory boards and things that help grow the game, and I think that'll be part of his future. Uh, in the short term, long term, let's face it, he's a competitor. He likes the adrenaline. He is somebody that no, understands that uh, he understands himself and and how how much he wants to you know win. And he's forty six years old, so he's he's still young in the in executive sense, so he could. Uh, move on. And, and his third chapter, I believe, will include running a team and bringing that team back from wherever it has dropped and fallen. Uh, and and I, don't, I don't know that we can speculate today. I, I know the Phillies and the Mets and even the Mariners were mentioned as having immediate interests. But I don't think he's in a position to serve those immediate interests. I think that he'll take some time. He'll weigh the options as they, as they come to him and he'll have them. And then at some point in time, he'll jump back in. And I think when he jumps back in, he'll do what he did in Boston. He'll do what he did in Chicago. He'll have a plan. He'll assemble a team. And I have every expectation that the UFC probably will win again and add to a legacy that one day will be celebrated in Cooperstown.
1: We're talking to David Haw, of course, from the Score Sports Radio 670, co-host of the morning show, Molly and Haw. You can hear him five to nine weekdays. So let's shift our attention to the Cubs here, David. Now Jed Hoyer assumes that role of team president. Do you expect this basically to just kind of be a continuation of what we have already seen? I know Theo said in his press conference that Jed's his own man, he's his own person, and he's going to run things the way he sees it. But do you ultimately feel like this is going to kind of continue down the same road, or is do you expect there to be big changes within this organization when it comes to the structure and, and the players for that matter?
2: I think the Cubs would like us to buy into this idea of continuity, and I think that they would love for it to continue. They would love for the success to be sustained, and maybe it will be. I really think they're braced for a half step backward, and, and I don't think that they're going to bottom out, certainly to the degree that we saw them having to bottom out in, in the years between 2011 and 2014 when they, you know, they, they took that path. They went down to go up, but, but they're going to struggle. I think that that's inevitable because of the economic realities, the uncertainties ahead and some of the roster construction. This is a team that has you know fizzled in October to last several. And, and I think you have to, uh, look at that from a baseball perspective, the need to reconfigure your, your roster, but also you're confined by the the realities that we talked about. You know, they don't want to overspend. They don't want to be the team that uh, is second in payroll maybe anymore or for a while until they're ready in position to to make that climb again. So that might mean getting rid of some players who, you know, were, were part of the, the best period in Cubs history, the golden age, if you will. But I think that there's going to be another era that begins and it starts with the Jed Hoyer taking over on Friday of this week. And And I think that um, Jed, as much as he is aligned forever with Theo Epstein, I think he will be his own man. and I think he's going to establish his own path, but I just think it's going to be rocky and he may have his struggles before he enjoys the kind of success and puts the Cubs back on top. Not saying it's going to be impossible during his tenure, but I, I think we all have to be realistic as you know, and Cubs fans have to realize that is not just going to be uh, I, I'd be really surprised if they have a team in twenty twenty one that's ready to contend. I think they're gonna probably have to take a little bit of a step back and he's got three jobs. He's gotta contend, he's gotta thread that needle, it's very difficult to do, but he's gotta rebuild the farm system and he's gotta be respectful of the payroll that the, the Rickets will give him. And I think there could be, you know, there there are Already, sort of you know, a lot of speculation and conjecture
1: that um, that's going to be reduced as well. And our thanks once again to David Haw of the score Sports Radio 670 giving us some great insight about Theo's tenure and, of course, the potential future of this franchise. And once again, you can hear David on the score every weekday morning from five to nine on the Mully and Haw show. And of course you can find him on Twitter at David Haw, as well as you can find Chad and I on social media. Chad's at the Chad Gordon. I am at Ryan D lever. And of course, Chad, our Facebook page is always open and available. The friendly confines Facebook page is easy to find and we are easy to interact with. So feel free to touch base with us there. and We would love to hear from you.
0: And we've got some great guests coming up, uh, and make sure you stick around. This is our first full-on offseason where we're going straight through to spring training. So hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on our Facebook page, let us know who you'd like us to hear from. This past year has been one of the greatest years we've had in terms of guests, and we're going to just try to step it up even more in the coming months. So let's move on to Thinning and Rhino one of the early innings and it made me wince Believe it would be so but do you believe that the rebuild is coming sooner rather than later and do you actually believe there is a rebuild coming i do believe
1: there is a rebuild coming chad it may not be this year but i do believe that after this season when the contracts are up and we may be seeing a completely different roster um i think everyone's on the table right now as far as who's being traded and that includes javi Baez, and that includes hugh darvish who you know it's not the craziest idea in the world to think about trading him at a high point when here he's at 33 34 years old And he's on the other side of where you think your peak years are. So I think everything's on the table right now with this team, who's unfortunately their best years are behind them. I definitely feel
0: like that a rebuild is coming. What about you? I think that would be an absolute failure for Jed Hoyer. And why would he sign on for that? Why would he come on board if he knew he was going to be hanging out in the dumpster fire of the NL Central um, as they look for their next window of opportunity? You know, when is the rebuild times coming for the Dodgers? I look at that roster and I look at their farm team, you know, that, that they don't have they don't have any holes. They're going to continue to invest. They're going to continue to do what it takes to put a competitive team out there, just like the Yankees have always done. The Cubs should be in that same situation. This is not a a situation where I think you have to blow everything up and tear everything down to come back. I think bits and pieces. And that, I think, has been my biggest struggle with this leadership is they really did rest on the laurels of, of really solid players, strong players, but players that could not get them over the hump couldn't adjust the way pitchers was were adjusting to them. So I don't believe a rebuild is coming because I think that would be an absolute failure by the Ricketts who have said they wanted a competitive team year in and year out. And what I mentioned earlier, why would Jed sign on if he knew he had to tear all this down and do some famine times for a few years so that they can have a winner again? So what I want to see out of Jed Hoyer is, is work your magic, um, make the deals that need to be done, have the Rickets do what they have been doing, which is a top five payroll in baseball and let's keep the train moving, but let's see a lot of new faces. You talked about how, you know, even Hobby could be available. I think everybody could be available if the front office believes they're the right piece of the puzzle to go somewhere else to bring the right talent back, whether it's young talent or it's established talent, to keep this winning franchise since 2015 intact. See, and
1: I think Jed has an opportunity to build his own legacy and build his own team. And that's why I think he would stick around to rebuild. And you talk about the Dodgers. The Dodgers, yeah, they have a great farm system. The Cubs don't. They need to rebuild that, and that's going to take time. So those are just a couple of the
0: things that I feel like might be coming I, our way. I I appreciate that. And the Dodgers have had a lot of success this decade. So why do they have still a good farm, farm system? You know, and why don't the Cubs? So that's that's where I think the the failings are, and and it's time for Judd to show us what he's worth. And I sure, certainly, as a season ticket holder, I'm not going to find it acceptable to to see a losing franchise here in the next couple of years. All right, let's
1: finish up here in the ninth inning, Chad, and some big news this week. As Wrigley Field, no surprise here. I thought it already was the this, but apparently not. It was designated as a national historic landmark. By Dave Bernhardt, the Secretary of the Interior, um, the National Historic Landmark sites are recognized as building sites, districts, structures or objects that are nationally significant in American history and culture. This according to the Department of Interior. Chad, I guess my question is, I thought this was already a historic site. Did I miss something here? When? Why is, this, why is it taken this long for Wrigley to be considered a historic site?
0: So there's. Let's lead off with this for just a second. It is. It means a lot to the culture and history of sports and, and American sports. It's it's one of very few stadiums. Just a handful of stadiums. You could re- say a couple handfuls if you if you talk about college football stadiums, but a handful of stadiums that are truly bucket list destinations. So there's there's a tax implication here, and the the beauty of the tax implication. And the beauty of the, 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 the legacy is, is you know, this basically signals that Wrigley Field is going to be going to be Wrigley Field for a very long time. I mean, there's really no expectation that it wasn't after the, the Ricketts threw in about a billion dollars to, to it and, and the, 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 the area around it. But for a national historic landmark, there's going to be a lot of tax breaks. So this is a business decision. This is just really savvy business people getting those tax breaks and paying less and less that, uh, and, and and getting a lot of their investment back. Um, in terms of historic landmarks, I believe they are in the registry. They were they had some designation that really limited them. If you remember during the re, re um, the rebuilding or the you know when they were you know renovating it rather, they were very hamstrung in what they could and couldn't do. But this is a federal uh, uh, designation that, that will signal that this 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 is a place that's going to be around for a really long time. And it's kind of cool that your team's baseball uh, stadium that, you know, that so many people have ripped on about rats and, you know, and things falling from the ceiling is actually a pretty flippant special place.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There are approximately 2,600 national historic landmarks across the country, according to this article. So that is... Uh pretty impressive to know that wrigley's not going anywhere it is a place that is of course going to be hopefully around for more generations to come and see and enjoy it and uh listen i mean if when you think of chicago at least as far as i'm concerned i think wherever you go when people think of chicago they think of deep dish pizza And I think Wrigley Field is always one of the other big things that people talk about. Maybe the Sears Tower, the Willis Tower, as it's called now, is the other landmark that a lot of people discuss. But Wrigley is really something that is, you know, intertwined with this city. And I can't see any scenario um, where, you know, it would go away. I mean, there was talk once upon a time when the Cubs... Um, you know, couldn't win a World Series, that the reason they couldn't win is because of Wrigley and that people, you know, would just go to the ballpark to enjoy, uh, you know, being at Wrigley and it wasn't about winning baseball games. And I just found that to be a ridiculous comment. The reason that the Cubs are a success is because Wrigley Field is the greatest ballpark in all of sports, in my opinion. And so it is a great uh, just you know, nod to what this ballpark is about and the significance that it portrays in the city of Chicago. So that is going to wrap things up. Yep, absolutely. It's going to wrap things up for this edition of the friendly confines. Once again, our thanks to David Haw for taking the time to speak to us for Chad. I am Ryan. We'll talk to you next time. Everybody have a good one.
0: Don't let anyone
2: say that it's just a game For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're field The first time you walk into Wrigley